Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. Again, my name is Rich, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. It's so good to be with you all. I want to again remind all of our online people, if you are not on our online platform, to go there. Um, That is the best place you'll be able to experience um, uh, connection, and particularly today at onelifeseattle.org forward slash live, you'll also find in the notes section a bunch of information that we're going to be using for our, our teaching time today. So I definitely want to make sure you are able to connect with us in the best way possible. And uh, so please go check that out. Um, and if you haven't already done so, if you are in the room, There's a piece of paper in the back and some writing utensils in a Bible. You're going to want that for our teaching time today. We're going to do something a little different. Um, So I just want to make sure you all have that as well. And I'm going to pray that my technology starts doing what it was doing, which is working earlier, that it's not quite doing right now. Let's see. Talk to me, Goose. It's just nearly not as an exciting slide as what should be showing up. We'll see. We'll go from there. Um, Today we are diving into week eight of our fall sermon series, and it's entitled God is Love. We've been going through a study in 1 John, and um, I am uh, just letting you know, I'm just trying to make sure I get my technology working here because it will be so much more enjoyable if it works. So let's just try one more thing here before we do that. need some exciting music to play along with this. That's not nearly as exciting music. Sorry. Okay, well, Drew, I may give you some instructions on when to go to another slide, so we'll see what happens. With that, we are in this study, and as I said during the break, we're very fortunate to have our youth. I have the privilege of getting to be with them most Sundays um, and Wednesdays. Um, Those of you online, you might see some of them in the camera. They're exciting. Look at them. They're so exciting. (laughs) Um, So I'm not here today. We're very thankful for you all. And um, one of the things about our time together is I, I try not to talk the whole time, which You're all like, why do you do that there and not here? Um, But part of the idea is that when we look at the text, uh, we want the text to talk to us as well. And we're going through a series called Red Letters on Sundays where we're specifically looking at the words that Jesus teaches. Because just like you all, we're trying to be disciples, followers of Jesus. We want to look at what it means to practice and, and live out what Jesus says. And so what better way to get a sense of what Jesus is all about than looking at his actual teachings, to look at his actual words. And so if you have a Bible, a red letter Bible, you'll find those highlighted in red. We're going to be looking at one of those particular passages today as well, um, which should be very cool for us to see. Because one of the things we've learned over and over again, that the author John, who is also the author of the Gospel of John, often finds himself connecting things he says in 1 John to what he taught in the gospel. Partly why? Because the community he's speaking to, this is later in his ministry, he's on the old end, he's most likely in in Ephesus, and he is speaking to a church community that's going through some really difficult stuff, some very troubling things. People have gotten tired of waiting for Jesus' return. They thought this would happen, and it hasn't. So it's causing them to question their faith. They're starting to have theological debates. 
they're starting to question some of the things that they've heard as they've journeyed in their walk, and they're starting to find some of the ways of the world very appealing. And so they're starting to think, maybe this is really how things should be. Now, what's interesting about the text that we're looking at today is that um, in many ways, it's, it's kind of simple to understand. In fact, one commentary described it as a dartboard passage, meaning if you put it up on the wall and you closed your eyes and you just threw a dart at it, anything it hit would be good. Not too hard to understand and full of good content, which is nice. Um, it's all about love, as Jessica introduced our worship time. The text that we're talking about is about love, and we even talked about this series being God is love. That phrase, God is love, comes up not once but twice in our text today. And so if you have your piece of paper, it has the text, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. That's what we're going to be looking at. If you have your Bible, if you want to turn to it as well, you can do that. We're going to start... Um, by having the text read. But before we do, I want to open us in a time of prayer. And, um, and then we'll kind of move on, okay? So let me open us in prayer, and then I'll give some, some direction. Then we're going to get some time on our own to do some processing as we engage the text. So let's go. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the way you are showing yourself to be present with us as close as our very breath. And we thank you for this community, this family, that as we are here, we are brothers and sisters in you. And we just pray that you would help us connect to your text today, help us to connect to your spirit today as we, we engage it and help us to hear from you. And not just hear from you, God, but help us to, to see what this might look like in our own lives. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So before we hear the text, remember there's division, there's theological debate, there's those who are getting caught up in the ways of the world, there are people who are, who are kind of questioning whether this Jesus thing is real. Jesus has been gone for some time now. And so John is speaking to a community of believers with the hopes of encouraging them to not give up to stay together, to be a community, not to be led astray, and to continue their discipleship journey together, and to continue embodying the ways of their rabbi Jesus. And that's, in many ways, what we're doing right now. That's one of the main reasons we gather as a church, for those same things. And so then the question is, before we even look at the text, can we relate? Have you ever experienced trouble in relationships due to differences in opinions? Have you ever been in a relationship where you had a disagreement theologically about something? Have you ever felt more pulled to live in a way that was more worldly than more godly? Have you ever had a relationship with someone who was struggling with keeping their faith in Jesus? Or have you, at times, struggled with your faith in Jesus? Or maybe you just think that there's some people in your life right now who are hard to love. If you have any connections to those things, you can find some connection to what's being talked about here. And I want to invite you, maybe even just to close your eyes as you hear the text read, um, to think about these things, how you might relate to it as we hear the scripture. So with that... Um, I'm going to invite some of our youth to read. Uh, we're going to look at this text first in the NIV translation. So, Elise, do you mind starting us off? 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He is has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Awesome. Oh, can you back up one slide? No worries. Before we move on, what I want to do, now that you've heard the text, you all have it written in front of you, I want to give you some space on your own just to engage the text. So what's going to happen, there's going to be some music. It's going to give you a couple minutes, and I want you to try to work through essentially what's on the back of that piece of paper. So the front side has the scripture, and on the other side, it's got some, uh, an outline. In the back, it's got some questions. So while the music's playing, take your time to reread the text, to work through that. Don't feel rushed. Don't feel like you haven't done a good job if you haven't gotten through all of this, um, because we're going to process and talk about it as we move on, okay? So sit back, work through it, engage, and then be prepared to process together in community. if you could put that slide up, that'd be great. Every day we go to war again we assume we know so much more than them before we hear what they have to say Headline breaks And we start to hate again Calling them names again We give our peace away I hope they see it Cause I wanna see it I hope we I want to see, I want to see the love all around. 
it's all around. for my technology having issues. Hopefully you got some space to process the text. Part of when we do this together as youth, it's helpful because we like to look at different translations. Fill in the blanks are always nice. It feels like I can attach to things. Just out of curiosity, if you went back and looked at the text, maybe you circled every time you saw the word love or some form of it, how many times did you see it show up in our text today? A lot, yep. Anyone? More specifics? 27 times. Depending on your translation, it could be plus or minus a couple more. It's a lot of times for a small amount of text. 
And anytime we see words repeated over and over in scripture, and especially in uh, a lot in a small amount of space, that helps us tie into what this text is about. So it shouldn't be hard for us to get the simple idea why we call this sermon series God is Love. It's something that's been circulating throughout John's teaching, throughout his uh, preaching to this community. At the very core of everything he's about is love. Then we get some fill in the blanks, which hopefully my slides will work. But according to the text, we fill in the blanks. The sermon series is called God is Love, so hopefully we got the first fill in the blank. Blank is love. Let's see God is love. And Um, Then we get some other things that we see throughout the scripture. Where does love come from? We're getting really Sunday school-minded here. God, okay? (laughs) Who initiated love first? According to the scripture, God's the one initiated. What's the best picture example of God's love? We see it's that Jesus Christ and the work on the cross. It goes on. We love because God first loved us, right? And then we also get this idea that there's no fear in love. Now, this is just some simple takeaways. If we were just going to take five minutes to read the scripture, here's some takeaways that we can get. And this is what that commentary was saying. That you could throw a dart in pretty much any sentence you hear, you'd get something good. And I hope that in some way you can feel the flow of the writing as we've been talking about because it's this circular kind of movement. One author and pastor, Ron Allen, states it this way. He says this, What's amazing is that the theology of 1 John contains a certain circularity in that the concepts of 1 John 4, 7 through 21, mutually interpret one another. God is love. When we love, God abides in us. We cannot see God, but when we love, we know God abides in us. And if we do not know love, or do, if we do not love our sisters and brothers whom we do see, then we cannot love God whom we cannot physically see. It's circles. When we love our sisters and brothers, we love God, which in turn shows that God is love. Now, I couldn't add circular kind of moments to the, my next slide, but if you start at the top where God is love and you start moving to the right, then God's love is revealed in Jesus and we abide in Jesus. And this is Uh, where we start revealing that truth in our relationships. It's this circular moment, and that's how his writing is. If we were to pause and go back and read the text before this, we would see it over and over again, touching base on all this idea. Now, I'm curious, though, along with looking at how many times love comes up in our text Hopefully you also went back and took note at whenever it spoke of God, whether it was in the the literal word God, whether it was Father, whether it was the Spirit or the Son of God. And I'm curious as you looked at how many times the word love came up and how many times God came up, if there was anything that stuck out to you, things that impacted you as you went and looked at the text. I'd love to hear from anyone what stood out. Okay, Jesus is our example, yeah. Hopefully you also see all three, Father, Son, Spirit, represented in this text. So we always want to highlight when God is participating, but what's even more exciting is when we're talking about love and we see 
the, the triune God, all three represented in our text. And we see that because in order for God to be loved, we need to have a full experience of God. And the full experience of God is in the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. What else? What stood out to you as you heard and read our text? It could just be a phrase. It could be a thought. Yeah. It's not what we do to love God. Okay. That God loves us. Yeah. That's good. It's not what we do, but that God loves us. It's not dependent on doing X, Y, Z, and now we get to experience God's love. Anything else? Mm. Yeah, God initiates love before the created does anything. So God's already doing the love before anything's even created. It's, it's, it's in God and his love that brings about us. It's at the core of us even being created is God's love, and it's all initiated out of that. Anything else? Yeah, so, so Lynn brings up a great example, and I'm sure if we show hands. Have we ever experienced people who even say they're Christians that are exhibiting something that seems a lot more like hate? Raise our hands if we've ever experienced something like that. Maybe we even have done that, right? It's, it's, it's prevalent in our world right now. So what we're talking about here is our perfect example of love, right? It's not saying that we are perfect at this, It's giving us our target. And if you remember, we talked about this idea of sin being this idea of missing the mark, right? And it's not just about uh, we aim at something and we miss, but it's very important what we're aiming at. And this right here, this text is about a perfect of a target you could get. If we're aiming at this and we're off by a little, at least we know what we're aiming at, right? But if this is the target, but we're aiming way over here, things look really weird and things get out of touch. Now the truth is, at any given moment, we decide what we're aiming at, right? If we have something, let's say a bow and arrow, in order for us to shoot it at what we're aiming at, we were looking at it. We don't look like this, we're focused. 
But at every moment, in every decision, in every relationship, we get to decide what we're aiming at. And, and, and this is a text that's telling us, here's the target. But the truth is there's times when we get distracted and we start looking at other things. And not only do we start looking at other things, but just like what's happening in this church community, which is just like what happens right now, there are times where other teachings, other examples, other ways of life look better to us which is why we turn and direct ourselves in different ways. Because we're like, oh, that actually seems kind of cool. Actually, everybody around me is aiming there. I think something about that might be cool. And, and John is, again, saying that. There's people in his community whose aim has gotten off, who've gotten distracted, who've gotten pulled in different ways, and he's trying to draw them back. And the truth is, what you bring up, Lynn, none of us can do this perfectly, and we're going to get to that a little bit in the language here in just a few minutes. So thank you for sharing that and being honest. That's something we've all experienced. Now, on your piece of paper, there's an exegetical outline. Um, What that is is Bible nerds who study Scripture like to take things that are written, right, and try to make sense of it. And so what this is is one commentary's take on the text, So when you look at the text um, and you follow it or you try to follow it again, especially with this text, it tends to circulate and you you almost see like, is it repeating itself? Oh yeah, it's basically repeating itself. Oh yeah, it's saying the same thing twice, almost just a little differently. And so that's what the exegetical outline is doing. It's showing how it circulates. It's showing how it's all brought together. And hopefully it just provides another way for you to look at it and engage the text. And I encourage you, when you're doing your quiet times, when you're reading, you're looking at scripture, these aren't the only ways to view the text, but sometimes it can be really helpful to create some structure as you look at it. It almost creates kind of bullet points to help kind of take the text and give it some movement. And that's really what my hope is. I'm not expecting you to have this all memorized. And if you pick up a different commentary, they may map out this section of text slightly different. Um, But what I want us to see is that in all of this text, it's important to note that uh, John is connecting us back to the gospel of John, making sure that people are understanding things correctly. And this time, he's specifically connecting us to Jesus's teachings to the disciples before he goes to be crucified. So we have another section of red letters, literal words of Jesus, that teach us something about this that John is connecting this to. And so I want us to look at this. Um, The text that uh, he's connecting this to is John 13, 34 through 35. And if you were looking at a red letter Bible, this would be in red letters. Um, Drew, if you could get to that next slide, John 13, it says this, a new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Doesn't this sound very similar to the language that John is speaking? And this is actually Jesus speaking. Jesus hasn't even gone to the cross. He's our rabbi, he's alive, He's saying, this is what I've modeled even before I went to the cross. And as my disciples, I'm teaching you how to embody what I do. And this is it. 
This is before the ultimate example. This is what John is saying. Jesus taught us this, and not only did he teach this, but he lived it, and he went so far as to go all the way to the cross to embody this into the perfect example of what this looks like. It all begins with God's love. We shouldn't forget this essential fact of our faith, and John is trying to make that crystal clear. God is the source and the definition of love. God is love. God loves just as the sun shines. Love expresses who God is. God made love real and present by sending Jesus to live among us and to die for us, and God continues to show us love through Jesus' life-giving presence among us. And if we should ever question whether God truly does love us, the gift and witness of the Holy Spirit confirms it once more that we are God's beloved. In other words, God's love is a truth more basic and reliable than the ground that we walk on and the air that we breathe. And so whenever I think of the air I breathe, I like to pause and take a breath because it's a reminder of the Holy Spirit with us, whether we pay attention to it or not, because without that breath, we are nothing. We can't live without it. And there's nothing we did to earn it or to deserve it. And yet God is freely giving it to us out of love at every single moment, even right now. So maybe pause and take a deep breath. What you are experiencing right there in taking that breath is God's unconditional love. And just as we talked about, John says God's love does not depend on our initiative or our worthiness. In fact, we don't have to reach out to God or even believe in God in order to be loved. We don't have to clean up our act before God can love us. We don't have to measure up to some standard in order to be lovable. Instead, God showers love on us, whether we deserve it or not. And if we're being really honest, we should all be able to say with confidence, we don't deserve this kind of love. And actually, the more we're able to own how much we don't deserve this, the more we're actually able to immerse ourselves in the goodness of these truths. John insists that the more fully and completely we know God, the more we immerse ourselves in the reality of God's love and it draws in uh, the goodness and starts to overflow in us because we recognize we don't deserve it and we experience it over and over again when we don't deserve it and that starts to overflow in us and that's what comes out of us. It's when we don't think we need it, when we don't think we need it because we're good, we're great, we make all the right decisions, that's when we start messing up and that's when we miss out and ignore God's love. And John is saying nothing in us is so broken or so filthy that God is unwilling or unable to touch it. And God embraces us as we are, loves us as we are, and works in us to make us restored and new. And and the perfect example of this lived out, as we've seen over and over again, is Jesus. Jesus says it before he goes to the cross and continues to live it out as he goes to the cross and experiences all of what we deserved on our behalf. And I put there, 
um, the next slide, Drew. In other words, if Jesus shows us what God's love is like, then there can be no doubt how far our love for others must extend. It extends to everyone, every human being. Because again, if we're rooting ourselves in the example of Christ and the work of Christ, it is for all. And there's nothing, zero, that changes that. Literally every single human being, the person you struggle to love the most, the people you hate the most, God loves just the same. And that's the kind of love we are being called to embody as Jesus' followers. It could never originate in us, right? That's part of what Lynn's touching on. If we're set on our own, we're never going to do this kind of love. It's not in our nature. And that's the beauty of the Spirit. That's why God gives us the Spirit. That's why we have a breath to breathe. Because when we start recognizing we can't do this on our own and start being empowered by the Spirit, that's when things start to happen. We start to be a light, which is the other theme that comes up all the time. We start living this out. And when we start living this out, we become a light of God's love to the world. That's exactly God's plan for us, to participate with God. So every time we as followers of Jesus find ourselves struggling with someone who has a different opinion of us or maybe lives in a different way than us or thinks differently than us, something we all experience, maybe they're struggling with their faith, maybe they completely deny your faith, uh, it's an opportunity then for us to love like Jesus loves. And it's not easy, and it's not something we can do on our own. But when we say, God, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. Empower me to do this. And the Spirit starts doing this. That's when people get a taste of what this love looks like. Now, there's two other things that come up in this text that I think are interesting to note. Um, One is this idea of fear. And John points out this idea of um, fear and um, its connection to judgment. And we all have our fears, right? We have a fear of water, it implies that we have a fear of drowning. Or if we have a fear of fire, it implies that we have a fear of being burned. So a fear of God's judgment implies that fear of punishment. But if God so loved the world that he sent his only son to deliver the world from perishing, that's what John says in John 3.16, one of the most popular verses in the world, then the punishment has already been given out to Jesus on our behalf. That's what John is trying to make clear. You don't have to fear. And so then it says, uh, Drew, if you could go to the next slide, 1 John 4, 17 through 18, it says this, God is love when Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So this text gets crazy because we all have our fears and and there's times when we do get caught up in the ways of the world and we think the way of the world and so we think we've messed up because we have and we think we're going to face judgment because we haven't done things perfect, right? 
So when we have to understand this idea of being perfected or made complete, which is a translation that you also see there. And those words, perfected and made complete, are rooted in the Greek idea of this word telos, which actually means the goal. It's this idea of process. It's this idea of maturing. It's this idea that God's love reaches its goal or its fulfillment when it's put into action by the power of the Spirit in us and as it's embodied in and through us in our relationships. And so Eugene Peterson translates the same text like this. It says, 1 John 17 through 18, this is how he translates it. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. The way love has the run of the house becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of wrong on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. Now, what I love about this is Eugene's trying to tap onto this idea that this is a process. This is a, doesn't just happen in one day. It's not like, oh, I did a good job loving my neighbor, and now I, I have zero fear. And what we've heard over and over again through John is the invitation to walk with Jesus, to, to, to stay engaged, to practice. These are the words we've heard over and over again, and those are all words we understand. In high school, we're learning how to... Um, do our studies, practice time management. We're on teams, and so we practice to get better at what we do. At work, we're asked to do things that maybe we've never done before, and we try, and then we mess up, and we try again until we figure it out. And, 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 and John is saying, I want you to stay with this. Don't give up. Keep practicing. Grow, mature. Keep going for it. Don't give up. There's people who have given up. Don't do that because God has a goal to be fulfilled in you when you start living this out. There's a lot of other things in our text and I'm not gonna be able to get to. Um, and hopefully you got something out of this. Again, kind of like the dart. We throw it and we hit something good and there's something you can attach to. Um, one of the things we do with the youth is we usually take some time to then take prayer requests and to pray for one another. And, and we don't have time to do that with everybody, but one of the things we often do is have prayer prompts. Because one of the things that's really helpful is just how do we make this personal? And so on your piece of paper, there's some prayer prompts. You can use these on your own if you want to just find something to pray. You could fill in the plank, Lord, I need you. And it could be a, a finish the sentence. Or God, help me be a light of your love to all. God, open up my heart so that I can love whoever that might be the way you love them. This is how we start practicing this. This is how we start engaging with the triune God in community and say, God, I can't do this on my own. Help me. I, I, I get a sense of the target, and I'm trying to aim at that, and I need your help. As we end, um, I'm going to have our text read again, but this time in the message translation. But before we do, 
um, I have some questions for you to consider. And if you have your uh, connection card, you could use that. Um, if you want to just um, use these as questions to reflect on, that's great. Um, if you would like prayer, maybe these prayer prompts aren't working, but you'd like someone to pray for you, our prayer team is going to be in the back over there ready to pray with you. If you're online, they'll be ready to pray with you and for you. Um, sometimes that's one of the things. I, I need to confess. Sometimes I just need someone. I don't know what to pray, and I need someone else to pray for me. That's a great thing. Um, or you can, in your own, prayer those, pray those prayers. But as you're hearing the text read again in this different translation, Again, I want you to be thinking about who are the people in your life that are hard for you to love? Who are the people in your life that are hard for you to love? It might be yourself. So that's okay if that's one of the hard ones to love. Who are they? What is it about them? What is it about you that makes it hard for you to love them? What is it they do? How is it they act? What is it they say? And how might God be inviting you to embody the unconditional love of Christ in action with those who are hard for you to love this week? You're going to feel, as you start thinking about these people and how hard it is for, them to, for you to love them, all the ways you typically go about it. Oftentimes, it's separation. I unfriend them. I try to avoid them at my workplace. When I come home and there's that crazy neighbor, I put my head down or I try to act like I'm on the phone so I don't have to talk with them, whatever. We have all these different ways that we try to get out of loving relationships. How might God be inviting you to embody this Jesus example of love to these people? That's what John's inviting us to think about. So with that, Take some time if you want to use your paper to write some of these thoughts down. There's other kind of questions of reflection on that document that you have. Um, as you hear the text read this time, though, maybe close your eyes, ponder what you want. Um, we'll have, um, after the text is read, I'll close us in prayer, and then the band's going to play for a moment for us to think about stuff, and then we'll end with one last song of response. So worship team, you can go ahead and make your way. Um, but for now, let's close our eyes, reflect on some questions as we hear um, our text read again in the message. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God, ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as, sa as Savior of the world. 
Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well, we've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're freed of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room for love in fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Amen. God, we ask that you would help us to love like you do. As we hear these words of, uh, in many ways, John pastorally caring for his community, we hear it the same. We've gotten caught up in the ways of the world. There are times where it's so easy for us to hate. And we come up with so many reasons to sever relationship, to argue, to say things that are not kind. And so God, we just confess that we need your help to do this. You've given us a target to aim for. And we recognize that the invitation to aim for this is a process. It's a journey, it's a walk, it's practice, it's maturing. And we recognize we, we cannot do it without your spirit. And so Holy Spirit, is, as sure as this candle is lit, and moving in this space, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in us, to empower us. We all have people that we can think of instantly that we struggle with loving, people at our schools, people on our teams, and um, even in our own home, people at work in our neighborhood, people on the social media and TV, artists, you name it. It's so easy for us to come up with people that we struggle with. And so God, we just ask that you would help us connect to your love, that we could be lights. Lights of your love. And we ask God that you would just open us up because the reality is when we face people who are hard to love, we close down. But we see in your word that your love is open. It's completely open. And it is for all. And so, God, we do ask that you would open us up to what that looks like for us to live this out. Be with us as we take a few moments to process this. Be with us as we sing a last song of response. And be with us as we go.
We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.